One Pride, this is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where One Pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick and this is episode 143, Don't Dance with the Sun God or You Will Get Burned. Um, Thank you to everyone who's joining us this evening. If you're thinking it's a little sparse in the room at this moment in time, that's because it is. It just appears to be me for the uh, the pod this evening. Hopefully we've got a guest joining us in about half an hour's time. We do uh, have a Minnesota Vikings fan joining us. Hopefully Steve set it up. So uh, we will await him at about 8 o'clock. Um, but until then, you've got me. Turner is away in America at the minute. He's still over in Yosemite exploring the wilderness out there. He's going to be back next week. And the rest of the guys are MIA at this moment in time. And uh, I could have chosen the easy option and had a night off but you know we do these preview shows on Thursdays Matt works very hard doing them so I'm going to try and live up to his uh, lofty you know to the lofty goals he's set for this and uh, do this on my own but I've this is the first time I've ever podcasted on my own so go easy on me hopefully it's an enjoyable experience and we can all enjoy it and uh you know, what better way to do it than on a victory week? This has been an absolutely lovely week. You know, the, the positivity and the optimism um, around the Lions fan base has been absolutely great. I've enjoyed it. You know, we're going into this weekend against the Vikings full of confidence. I see it in the chat there already. Mark Orlando, first comment of the day. Lions 31, Vikings 27. Yes, that is the kind of positive positivity I am here for. Um, <laughs> Depp Fatman says, so I found Turner's new job. Turns out he's just another turncoat as he starts at the goal line for USMNT. Oh, Matthew Turner's announced as the goal. Is that what he's doing? Is he over in Is he over in America playing football? Well, soccer. All right, well, we'll give you that. We'll give you that. I mean, if, if the Lions beat the Vikings this weekend and there's two straight victories while Turner is in America, we are going to open him up to being adopted. So if one of you wants to adopt yourself a Matt Turner as a good luck charm, while the Lions keep winning, then you absolutely 100% can have him. Uh, Grandizer's in the chat as well. He says, what's good, old chap? Welcome to Detroit, Dan Campbell, jolly good. Um, appreciate it, Grandizer. I appreciate all the recommendations you gave me for um, Vikings content contrib- contributors. Um, I've been speaking with Jade today. I'm hopefully going to sort a show out with her on Monday for the Vikings. She couldn't do today, so we're going to do the Vikings review show together on Monday. Hopefully, I'm going to talk to her, and we're going to get that sorted. Um, Frog Crop is in the building. Lions Talk. Micro Mike is in the building. He goes, what's up, Ant-Man? What's up, Mike? Trying to do this one on my own today, but I am no Luke G. I am no Micro Mike. These guys are the creme de la creme of solo podcasting, but um, I hope I can do a good job for you this evening. Thank you, everyone, who's joining in. Um, 
If I'm done in time, Mike, I will come and join you later, yes. Um, and thank you to everyone who's joined us on Twitch as well. David Reinfeldt 69 is in the building. Dan Pask is in the building. Thank you to both of you for joining this evening. Um, again, hope I can do Matt justice by doing this on my own. So... As we said, we are here for the Minnesota Vikings preview. Just need to do a little bit of housekeeping first, then we'll crack on with things. So, Detroit uh, Roar of the Lions UK's Discord channel, if you're not already involved, and you want to, you want to be in a vibrant community with lots of Detroit Lions chat, with lots of positivity at the moment, then just let me know and I will hit you up with a link for that. And you can come join us, the Roar of the Lions UK college football podcast. Myself and Ryan did that last night. It is up on audio now as well. The flight of the Jayhawks. We were talking about the Kansas Jayhawks, amongst other teams who have really started off this season quite and well considering how they've done in recent years. We also had a look at some of the individual players who've been impressing us so far on the college circuit as well as doing our breakdowns of the games and our preview of the week coming up. So if you like your college football, you want to hear a different little uh, different view of it from over here over the pond, then go check that out for us. We really do appreciate it. We're a member of Lions Nation Unite along with wonderful contributors like Mike on here who's in the YouTube chat at the minute. It's Herman Moore's pet project. Lots of Detroit Lions contributors making content by the fans for the fans. It is really wonderful indeed. And obviously, you know, like and subscribe on the Twitch, the YouTube, all those usual channels if you don't already. We've broken 500 on YouTube. I think we're nearly up to 560. We're over 100 um, followers on um, Twitch. We've just broken 2,500 followers on Twitter. We're really trying to up our numbers there, get ahead of some of the other UK-based NFL team uh, pages on there because we are still one of the lesser ones at the minute but two and a half thousand is not a bad starting point and again yeah thanks you to everyone who's uh, everyone who's joined us this evening so I'm going to crack on with a little bit of Lions news first there has been a little during the week not anything oh not anything majorly major but uh, in terms of injuries there is a bit of unfortunate news so John Kaminsky our defensive lineman he will be out of action for a few games he's had surgery on his hand think it's a thumb injury so he was the waiver wire pickup we got from the Atlanta Falcons he has had a hot start to this season currently leads the team in pressures I think he's up at about 10 They're already in double figures considering some of the guys we've got on this line that was a big one for us so hopefully he gets well soon he's not gone onto injured reserve so hopefully that means he might be back within the next two or three weeks but as big a blow as this is not too concerned about it this moment in time because I think the depth at interior defensive line is pretty good at the minute. Isaiah Bugs has been playing really well. Aline McNeil has been playing really well, especially against the run. We've been doing well in that aspect compared to what we normally do. And, of course, we've got Big DT just waiting to get his chance in the team. Demetrius Taylor, you all know me. I'm one of the biggest fans in the world of him. I think he's going to come in and do a very admirable job in Kaminsky's absence. You can slide him up and down that line. You can put him on the interior. You can move him out to the edge a bit. You can make him a little bit of a mismatch nightmare. And hopefully, you know, where one door closes for the time being for Kaminsky, another opens for another guy. Next guy, step up, do your job, earn your place keep this uh, new depth to this team going. I think a lot of this depth is really pushing some of our uh, first team talent at the minute. It's great to see. You want to see the competition for places. They're pushing each other harder. People seem to be doing better because of it. I mean, like Kaminsky, like Bugs, 
you know, they, they weren't really meant to start this season. Both of them have come in and they've played really damn well, but that's because they know they've got DT stuck right behind them in the pecking order. And if they make a mistake, he's going to come in, he's going to take their spot and they might lose their chance. So, you know, it's great to see this new depth in the team there. But hopefully for Kaminsky, he's back soon and we really, uh, yeah, we really await his return. And whew, in news that we are really not used to, the Detroit Lions have been ranked 16th in the NFL power rankings, seriously, that, you know, that's taller, that's higher than me at this point, that's lofty heights which we have not reached in some time, I believe our uh, pod historian, I'm going to call him our pod historian, Ash now worked it out, it has been a few years since we were ranked so high, but it is yet another indication that the NFL is starting to take notice of us as the Detroit Lions, because we put in a really good performance over the Commodores last weekend, Dominant, some might say, in a lot of aspects of it, and it's been reflected in how they're ranking us at the moment. So, you know, and even in some other cases, other outlets have us ranked even higher. I think it's just ESPN who didn't because they don't watch football and they don't know what they're talking about. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's nice to see the Detroit Lions getting some respect there in the power rankings. If you've got any questions or anything this evening, feel free to whack them in the chat there. It will help me get along and segue into little bits and whatnot. Um, Brian Shock has joined us in the chat. He um, says, if you're trying to up your Twitch numbers, I've noticed a hot tub seems to help. Ooh. Well, steady on there, Brian. I don't think I don't think anyone wants to see me in a hot tub. I mean, could be wrong, but I very much doubt it. Unless you you pay me in a Twitch subscription to not do it, which I then I guess the numbers could really go up. So, yeah, um, yeah, okay then. So if if you do give us a Twitch subscription, I won't get in a hot tub. But let's do that. Let's see how that works for us on the Twitch numbers. Appreciate that, there, Brian. Um, Right, what else have we got? So, before we talk about the game, the Vikings and the Lions, I'm, as like I say, I'm hoping I'm going to have a guest on with me to discuss this one-on-one -on -one pretty soon. But in the meanwhile, I do want to have a discussion about a few players. I have some, I have some things I need to pontificate about, some things I need to say, because, you know, this Lions fan base, certain players, you know, there's a lot of things said about them, and sometimes I think they're a little harsh, sometimes... Maybe not harsh enough, and there are a few players who I kind of want to just discuss before we go into this. So, the first guy I want to talk about, because there's been a lot of chatter this week, and it's Jared Goff. So, our quarterback, Jared Goff. I mean, I'm not going to come out and say that I have ever been the biggest fan of Jared, but I have also been on the boat where he was, he went through a really rough year last year. Been let go by the Rams, been blamed for all the Rams' problems. Coming to Detroit, where he wasn't really wanted by the fan base, having that rotten start in the first half of last year, that's not easy for a quarterback, especially when you're a confidence-based guy like Jared Goff. And it was very difficult, and yes, there were a lot of gripes to be had about him, but you saw towards the back end of last season, and you've seen at the start of this season, that his confidence is returning, that he's playing better that he looks a completely different quarterback to the guy who first arrived here. And, you know, that is a byproduct of what happens when a team believes in you. I mean, they could have made the decision to cut him early this year, get rid of all the money. I know Matt was suggesting it partway as a thing they could do with him, but they haven't. They've backed him. They're surrounding him with weapons. We've got the offensive line sorted. We've got the run game sorted. And at this minute in time, it's fair to say he's still missing a few throws. But Jared Goff is playing well. And I don't think it should be something illegal to be able to say that because the second you start 
saying positive things about Jared Goff. The second you start saying nice things about him, there's a section of the fan base who generally tend to come on you saying, oh, you're a Goff apologist, oh, you want to keep him here for years, oh, he's terrible, and he's not the long-term future of this franchise, and it's like, pump the brakes a little bit. There is a universe where, at this moment in time, and this is where I'm at at the minute with Jared Goff, right now, I am appreciating Jared Goff for what he is doing for this franchise as a quarterback. He has shown that he can help us win games. Yes, it finally helps that we've got the run game here to help him, but a lot of quarterbacks rely on that having a good run game, putting themselves in better situations, and helping us win games. You've seen a lot of the criticisms against him. He's not good under pressure. Well, he kind of put that to bed against Washington. He was under a lot of pressure all day against Washington. He made some great clutch throws, something else that he's been accused of not being able to do on a lot of occasions, under pressure. This is a guy who's really working hard for the Detroit Lions at the moment and is helping us to win games. So there is a universe where... Right now, I appreciate the hell out of him. What he's doing, the amount of effort that he's putting in, and getting his just desserts, really, because, like I say, last year was a horrible year. At the minute, he looks like he's enjoying his game. He looks like it's fun. And that's what you want. You want to see your quarterback relaxed. You want to see him taking control of his offense. It's something we've asked of him for a long time now, and he's finally doing it. That doesn't mean that you can't also envisage a scenario where you're thinking about quarterbacks in the draft next year, where you're thinking about a long-term future without Jared Goff here, because I know for a lot of us, he isn't the long-term future, but it doesn't mean that if you're appreciating him now that, you know, you're not thinking about the future. I think there is a world where you can back him now and still be thinking about the future, and I just feel like there are a very critical group of guys out there in our fan base who are saying that you can't do both but for me I'm really happy with what he's doing yes he is still missing a few throws he's been you know let down by a lot of drops as well but I just wanted to say for the moment that Jared Goff I'm really happy with what you're doing for this franchise right now you're helping us win games that's what we need this year we need to win games we need to get some confidence we need to show that this rebuild is for real so you know, I just want to say you can do both. You can back him now while still looking at the future with possibly someone else there. So I just wanted to get that one off my chest about Jared Goff there. I just, uh, I think he's taking, I think he's taking a bit too much criticism at this moment in time. Um, yeah, Mike, I've been extremely reasonable with Goff. I mean, I am. I, I just think of the extenuating circumstances when he arrived here was just, you know, I just feel sorry for him as a person having to go through all that, and now that he seems to be doing well, I'm glad he is. I'm glad he's happy. I'm glad he's looking like a lot better quarterback at the moment, and, you know, let's ride this train. Let's hope he can uh, get us to a few more wins with this uh, additional uh, with this additional run game he's got there, so we'll see with him. So that's all I've got really to say about Jared Goff at the minute. Just let's be happy that he's doing well at the minute, but that doesn't mean that we can't think about the future as well because franchises always need to adapt and change as the system goes on. It's just a thing that they do. So yeah, just wanted to get that one there. Um, next guy I wanted to have a little chat about, Logan Stenberg. So this is a very difficult one. So anyone who has watched this podcast for any meaningful amount of time, over the years knows I've been a very big fan of Logan and I've understood the length of time they've taken in developing him. It's taken two years for him to get in this team. He had a lot of problems coming out of college, you know, with his technique, a bit too aggressive, you know, there are a lot of problems that needed to be ironed out. And I was really glad when, 
you know, opportunity knocks, right? Tommy Kramer was meant to start this season. Logan's hung around. They've obviously seen something in him which they believe can be worked upon. And you've seen in the games that he can do. He's shown something. And he's shown a hell of a lot of hard work and effort to wait for so long for this team to develop him and come in the team and make his mark. So he's had a very... Let's just say he's had a half-and-half half start to this season. His run-blocking has been tremendous. You've seen some of these schemes, the Lions have been playing. I mean, I, I was look, I was reading that article today about the Lions' run game. I mean, I've learned of phrases that I never knew existed. All these schemes they're learning, the, the trap-wham-long trap, the duo-counter-duo, the counter-super-counter, YY-counter. There's even one called Zorro. I don't know why they've got one named after a figurative Mexican hero, but here we go. Um... And that's why I say there's a lot of people who've been saying that maybe we should drop Stenberg because the pass protection side of his game has not been great. And I get that. It's been pretty poor to start this season. The run blocking has been really good. The pass blocking has been really suspect. And it's a question of what do you do with him? Do you take him out of this team? Do you give him a breather? Do you try and do it more? And with Jonah Jackson... The injury at the minute, whether is he going to play, is he not? I've seen a lot of people suggesting you should move Skipper over to right guard, take Logan out, and again, I just want to make my views clear on this. I think you should stick with Logan Stenberg at right guard. You have spent two years developing this guy. He's one of your draft picks. You've spent two years, you've spent a long time, and confidence is a big thing for an offensive lineman. You've seen the reaction of his teammates around him when he does a bad you know, when he makes a mistake, they're there to pick him up when he does well. They're all over it. He seems to be a big part of this unit here, and I think sometimes you just have to show patience with these guys. You know, becoming in and being an offensive lineman, just starting your first few games, it's not easy, especially when you're going up against the likes of Philly and Washington's D-line. Two, two of the better lines you're going to get in the league with some of the best interior pass rushes you're going to come up against in the league. And I just think there's going to be growing pains with this. Uh, the example I want to use here is someone else who's done this. So you look at the um, San Francisco 49ers. They've just gone through this, well, a bit of a shorter problem with Aaron Banks, but they drafted him the year before last. Barely played last year. I think he got about five snaps, something like that. Going through camp this season, they started putting him in with the firsts. They started putting him in with preseason. He looked awful. He was racking in some really bad grades, especially for his pass protection. He was really struggling with his game there. And again, this is another example of a rookie who's come into the team, who's having to deal with a massive step up in competition. Obviously, you're in the first team. There's a lot of pressure on you here. And, you know, coming into the season, coming into the regular season, 49ers fans were like, oh God, what's going to happen with the interior? I don't know what's happening here with it. And he's actually started really well. His first two games, he's played lights out. I know they lost to the Bears, but that wasn't really on the line there, more due to the fact that they were playing in a swimming pool. But um, they've stuck with him and they're reaping the rewards from that. And I want to see if we can do the same with Logan. I think if we show a little bit of patience, as I say, this run game is a monster at this moment in time. And you know, he's part of the reason. He's quite agile. You, a lot of the runs, they go through the left. You've got Skipper, you've got Decker sort of pile driving into the first unit of defenders. Then you're pulling all your quicker, more agile guys over from the right to come around, make the blocks. It just looks perfect. I think you have to keep Logan in for this time being. Obviously, there's a limit as to what, you know, what he's going to get. But I think there comes a point where you have to stick with him for a bit, show confidence in him, like we did with Jared Goff, really, and hopefully you will start seeing the um, 
you, you, hopefully you'll start seeing the results of that pretty soon. I don't know what everyone else thinks in regards to it. Um, so, but I think you should stick him in the team. I mean, Micro Mike says we have no choice but to keep him for now. I mean, you've got the guy from the Browns in. You've you've got a couple of backup options in there if you didn't want to. But um, I, th I think you just have to stick with him for a little bit of time, and you know, hopefully you will you will get the benefits from that. Um, Michael Sestembo was drafted by Quinn Trisha. Yeah, he was. But I mean, the one thing Quinn Trisha did, they did get the lineman right. So. Again, not saying we should keep him in all season. I'm not saying there should be, uh, you know, a massive grace period for him. But over these first two games, you've seen the run blocking is really good. You've seen within one game he cleared the penalty sitch up. Those two false start penalties he got in the first game, you didn't see any of that in the second. So he's learning all these little fine tunes to the game again there. So just I think you stick with him a little bit more, and then you make the change if you're going to. But I just think it's a bit harsh to uh, let him go right at the minute. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't dispense with him right away. I wouldn't be moving Skipper over. I wouldn't be trying to get that because I think you know the chemistry is there. So. I just wanted to say that there about Logan Stenberg. Um, a few of the others just quickly wanted to mention DJ Chark. I know that's a topic of discussion at the minute, how he's uh, not gelling into the team currently. There's been a couple of drops there, not really been targeted. And you know what? It is a little bit of a worry at this moment in time. Paying him 10 million this year it is an investment, especially in a team that doesn't have a lot of money to spend at the minute. We obviously Probably bought him in with the case of been the number one receiver for now, but again, whilst I'm a little bit concerned about him, I'm also going to just pump the brakes again a bit there and see what happens when he gets a little bit more into sync with Jared Goff, because I mean, let's not forget, this time last year, Amon Ra wasn't seeing any targets from Goff. Sometimes it takes a guy time to work into the team, to get the trust of his quarterbacks, to get the targets there, to get the rhythm going, and... Um, I think this might just be the same with Chark. Obviously, he's coming off back off injury as well, so you've got that. But I think just sometimes with Jared, it takes a little bit of time to earn his trust properly. And whilst Jared has um, Amon Ra to throw at, while he has Swift to throw at, while he has this abundance of targets he likes to throw at at the minute, I think you know it might be a bit slow integrating DJ in. But maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll spice things up a bit with the offensive play calling when it comes to the passing. But at the minute. It's not too much of a it's not too much of a problem. So, yeah, I'm a little worried about DJ, but again, let's um, let's give him a few more games, just see when the uh, the rapport with Jared Goff is built, and we'll see what goes on with them two there. And the last one I really wanted to mention was TJ Hawkinson. So, again, this is this is something that's getting debated a lot at this moment in time. TJ, obviously the uh, the deadline for maybe giving him an extension, for giving him more money is coming up at this moment in time. And I know there's a big debate on whether he's worth it. You know, the, you know, there's even chatter about him himself because he doesn't look himself at this moment in time. The production's down at the moment. There's been some drops. You know, he's, he's, he's not looked like himself, which is weird because, again, he's had the injuries, but he's looked healthy this year. Um... And it just doesn't seem to be clicking at this moment in time. Um, Michael says, are you concerned about Hawkinson's production after we exercise the fifth-year option? I mean, at this minute in time, I'm not unduly concerned about the production. And all I'll say about this is when TJ first came here and in the years subsequent since, he's 
he's always been one of the main targets. I know year one he kind of got a pass because we had Galladay, we had Jones, etc. You know, we had we had a few targets here. Again, sort of wide receiver ones who took the coverage away from TJ. So he almost got, you know. Uh, as I said, he didn't. He didn't get the coverage. He didn't get the attention of the defense that he's had in recent years. So that kind of gave him a free pass to do well when he first started here. And then in the subsequent years, especially last year, you've had a lack of receiving targets. You have had a system where you've kind of had to throw to TJ. He's been the main guy. He's been the number one. And when he's not been injured, he's done pretty well for us. And you know, I kind of get that because you didn't really have anyone else to throw to. This year. We're in an offense where there are a lot more targets around. You've got Amon Ra who's come out. You've got DeAndre Swift working out the backfield. You've got DJ Sharp who's now here. You've got Reynolds. You've got Raymond. There's so many more options here for Jared Goff to throw at than when TJ first arrived. And I think that he's suffering as a result of that because he's not the number one target anymore. Yet he's still one of the most, you know, he's still one of them. He's still one of the targets on our offense who gets most attention from an opposition defense you see how close they get to him you know sometimes he is doubled up with a second guy and i think now that he is sort of that lead guy but there's a lot more people to throw at he's just suffering a little bit of that goff can afford to go elsewhere because the coverage is less on other guys hawk is still you know as i say he's still sort of compiling those double teams the close coverage not giving him any easy yards because teams know what we can do when we get the ball to him so I'm not really concerned about the lack of production now. I am concerned about the drops. I am concerned about his demeanor a little bit. He doesn't look happy, which is weird because most team, most players in this team look really happy at the minute. They're bought in. They're working hard. They're getting the just result. You know, they're getting getting the just rewards. So the demeanor does concern me. I know he's gone on the injury list this week. I don't know whether he's got something that's bothering him. I know that clutch catch he made on Sunday, that looked really painful. I don't know if he got injured then, that sort of big diving when he plucked out the middle of the field. Looked very awkward when he landed. But I hope that he rediscovers his form and that he's looking better. As, as for the contract, I... I see a lot of people around talking about how he's going to get top five tight end money, how he's going to get a massive contract, etc, etc. And all I would just say at the moment is, we don't know what TJ's demands are for a contract. Because he is a smart guy, he will know that the production for a top five tight end has not kind of been there on his resume so far. He knows that he's had injury worries he knows especially this season that things aren't quite going to plan for him everyone was saying last year when Charles bowled out Charles Harris oh he's going to ask for massive edge money he's going to cost too much for us let's let him go somewhere else and someone else pay him when in the end Charles took a very friendly team deal here for both of us it works for him and it works for us and it's kind of like you know he knew you know he'd only got the one year of production He'd come to a team who trusted him. He came to a team where he's rejuvenated his career. The, the two parties kind of met halfway in the middle. So, you know, I always try and t tend to try and take a favorable side with the player here. I don't want to assume that TJ's going into Brad Holmes' office asking for top five money for tight ends. And I don't think he will be. And if there's a situation where you can extend him, if you can incentivize him as well, bring that price down a little bit, having going forward then I would 100% keep him I think he works well with this offense when he's when he's healthy when he's going well and you know I, I just don't want to assume that he's asking all this because it makes a player look bad when you say oh he's asking top five tight end money etc and we don't know 
that makes him look like he just wants money and that he's not interested in here and we don't know that yet and like I say he might be I might have got this completely wrong but it's just a weird one with TJ at the minute I just want I just, you know, we'll see what happens come the end of the season. I don't know if a contract will get done during this season. It'll probably be next off-season because it'll be his fifth-year deal and get done. But let's see how he does this year and let's see what the talks are like. And who knows, we might be surprised. He might stay on a good deal for us and we're not paying him Darren Waller or anything money. Because at this minute in time, you, you obviously don't do that. But I don't want to have to go back into the draft to find another guy either. I'd rather my picks go elsewhere. So... That's everything in regards to um, TJ for now. I know this. Um, I, I, I know. He, I know he's a very um, controversial subject at the minute. I know some people are pro him, some aren't. I can see it in the chat here. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens with TJ um, going forward. Uh, let me just quickly check Twitch, make sure I'm not missing anything. Oh yeah, Dan's in there. He says regarding DJ Chark he just needs a bit more time I agree 100% I think Chark and Goff will get there eventually like Amon Ra and Goff did just got to give them a bit of time but the offense ain't exactly struggling at the minute so any problems we have on offense they're obviously not affecting it that bad so we can afford to live with some of these issues until they get resolved um right that is everything in terms of the news in terms of players I wanted to chat about if there's any players you want my opinion on etc again just put them in the comments I will uh, do them as we go along but I'll, I'll go down into the uh, I'll start the Minnesota Vikings preview now um, I'm hoping that I will get joined by a guest on but if not then uh, we'll just go through it and we will chat together about this one but all I'll say is I'm really looking forward to this fixture this weekend I mean when we did our preseason predictions I think most of us on the podcast predicted we were going to lose this I'm pretty sure I predicted we were going to lose this just because of how good this offense for Minnesota can be and you know you didn't know about our defense is the new defensive line going to click is the secondary going to get better etc etc but I tell you what after watching that performance against the Commodores on Sunday I'm going into this one with a lot of hope I was on Lions Nation Unite the other day and I did say we would suffer a narrow defeat but I felt awkward saying that. It didn't sit right with me, and I'm thinking, should I really be predicting a win here? But at the same time, I didn't want to predict a win because I just don't want to get too far ahead of myself and raise my hopes. I'd rather keep being surprised and have my spirits lifted up than uh, jump a little bit too far and be brought back down. But I know a lot of people think that we can go out and win this, and I'm going to say I agree. I think that we can win this if we get the game plan right with it. I think we've every chance in this game here. It's on the road. Against the Vikings, if you can come out of this with a win, you are making a huge statement in the NFC North because we kind of presume these guys are the second team in there. Matt reckons they're the best team in the NFC North at the minute. I mean, they did kill the Green Bay Packers week one, so you can go there and make a statement. They've um, they've had one less day to rest up for this. I know during their training today, they just did a walkthrough. They weren't doing full padded sessions. You know, given the intensity, the grit of our side, the upset is very possibly there. Jordy Manchin says Lions 31, Vikings 17. I mean, I'd like to think that, but 14 may be a little too much. I think this is going to be a very close, very tightly contested game, but I think that we can win. 
but if it's 14, I'll, I'll, I'll be absolutely delighted. So let's just take a look at a few of the bits in here. Matt usually does the breakdowns for these and does them a hell of a lot better than I ever can, but uh, I will do my best. So a lot has changed since last year. The last time we met the Minnesota Vikings, for me, it was the turning point of the Dan Campbell regime. You know, you saw the rise of Amon Ra St. Brown. Amon Ra has not had a bad game since we last played against the Minnesota Vikings. A star was literally born when uh, he got that last second touchdown against Cameron Dantzler. And I remember very clearly saying on the podcast after that game, that is... The, that moment there, that touchdown pass is where it all changes for Dan Campbell. That is where his reign truly begun because you finally got over the line. You finally won a game. And most importantly, you saw the confidence come to this team. The confidence it gave the team was amazing. You saw how we ended the season. We ended it plus five. We ended it at 500 over the last seven games, three, three and one. It just completely rejuvenated this franchise you know we could believe in Dan Campbell for this and it was a great victory and they they were on the verge of the playoffs and we helped defeat them for that it was a really big really signature win and you've seen the fruits of the labor since then now the Detroit Lions are a completely different prospect to when they were playing the Vikings last time this is a confident team this is a team that is a lot better than it was back then, even when we beat them. You've seen the players are developing at a rate of knots. They're learning how to win games. This is, this is a confident juggernaut compared to the team that the Vikings faced when they last played us. And it's all changed on that one victory there. Like I say, it just gave you the belief to go up to that next level. Had a great off-season. Obviously, we have with the draft, the new players we've got in. You know, This is a much-changed side from them, but... So are the Vikings. You know, we uh, we can't say that we are and they aren't. They've got the new GM in there, um, Casey Adolfo Mensa. He has come in from the Cleveland Browns. You've got Kevin O'Connell, the former Rams offensive coordinator. He has come in as head coach. And there was a lot of chatter about just how much the previous incumbent there, Mike Zimmer, was holding that team back, which is full of a lot of talented individual stars but they never seemed to be able to make a big go of it in terms of the team itself in the draft we traded with them obviously to go up and get Jamison Williams kind of screwed the Packers over on that one that was good they got a few picks off us in return so they got Lewis Seen the safety from Georgia Andrew Booth Jr the cornerback from Clemson Ed Ingram the guard from LSU Brian Asamoah the linebacker from Oklahoma a Caleb Evans the cornerback from Missouri Esizi Otemewu the edge from Minnesota Ty Chandler the running back from North Carolina Darian Lowe the offensive tackle from Illinois Speedy Jalen Naylor, some of you all know him, the wide receiver from Michigan State, and Nick Muse, the tight end from South Carolina. Um, so, they had a decent draft. A few players that I really liked in there who I wish they had. I've got, love Lewis Seen, love Brian Asabawa, love to Caleb Evans. So, they've, they've, added some, they've added some bits in there for them. So, they are a team, but um, I'll go through the injury reports first. Uh, ours is a lot longer than theirs is let's just put it this way and no oh, first up the betting line minnesota vikings currently five and a half point favorites for this one um at the start of the week it was seven and a half before monday night football so that has retracted by two and it just seems to be shrinking the closer we get to the weekend the uh 
Vegas ain't so keen on betting against us now at this moment in time, and it's showing um, in the betting lines there. Uh, do, do, do. So the injury reports, ours is as long as a royal decree over here in Britain. So obviously, Jason Kabinda, Jameson Williams, Halapula Vati Vitae, Tommy Kramer, Levi Onwuzurike, Romeo Aquara, Joshua Pascal, Jerry Jacobs, they all remain on the physically unable to perform or injured reserves list. There is very little info coming out about any of them at the minute. Obviously, we know Big V's done for the year, but Levi, Romeo, Pascal, Jacobs, there's complete radio silence on them at the moment. So they all remain there, but we can start activating them in two weeks. So hopefully get some of those back soon. Um, DeAndre Swift, Jonah Jackson, Aiden Hutchinson, and John Kaminsky, they were all no practices yesterday on Wednesday. Swift was having a rest day, and as far as I'm concerned, Swift doesn't have to train a day again for the rest of the season if he plays like he does on Sundays. Just give him the week off and then give him a few reps of practice reps at the weekend and let him loose um obviously Kaminsky he's injured he's not going to be back for a few weeks we are not going to see him Jonah is still nursing his finger injury and Aiden got himself a day off in his recovery from his I can't remember is that Charlie horse you you have the weirdest names for injuries over there but yeah he had a Charlie horse something like a stinger on his leg or something so they've given him the day off in regards to that, Frank Ragnow, Amani Orowarie, TJ Hawkinson, and Juju Hughes were all light participants in practice. Ragnow's injury designation has changed from his groin to his foot, so I don't know whether it's a change in injury or whatnot, but the fact that he's practicing is good. It was very limited by all accounts, his training, but the fact is he's still training, which is a good thing. Amani seems to be trending in the right direction, which is good for him. Obviously, you've got to be careful with a back issue with him, but seems to be going the right way the injuries to tj and juju are new so it remains to be seen how bad they are but they are both practicing so that's usually a good sign of things that it's not too bad tj it's his hip juju it is his shoulder in good news if they are to Melifon Wu, our cornerback, and I will keep calling him a cornerback till the end of days because I hate the move to safety he is back to full practice he's been that way for nearly two weeks now he is braced for a return to action, which, uh, quite frankly, we're desperate for. We really need Ify back in this team, whether it's a corner, whether it's at safety. He seems primed and ready to go. Hopefully, we see him against the Vikings this week. Taylor Decker, Michael Brockers, and Julian Aquara have all been cleared of their injury designations. So, as far as I'm aware, they are all fit and healthy. And then the updated list that came out today for Thursday, Jonah Jackson still not training, which is a concern. Kaminsky, obviously, yeah, he's not practicing. Hutch seems to have had another day off, although he is doing individual drills and did seem to be doing them at full speed. Tracy Walker, not sure what's going on in there. I know Drew in our Discord chat seems to think that Mrs. Walker is currently pregnant and is about to have a baby so it might be something to do with that i'm not 100 percent sure but uh, we'll keep an eye with what happens there for tracy um so yeah our injury list very very long in terms of the vikings their injury list so defensive end kenny wilkes wide receiver blake prole wide receiver bc johnson and inside linebacker ryan Connolly. 
They are all on the physically unable to perform or injured reserve lists. In terms of their current injury list, the free safety Harrison Smith suffered a concussion and is in concussion protocol currently and is not training. And the cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. has a quad injury. He is also DMP, and uh, yeah, he was he was very injured in his college career. I'm I'm glad we stayed away from him. He was injured as soon as the draft was done as well, and those injury worries don't seem to have left him at this moment in time. But that's it. Two guys on theirs, whereas us we've got about a hundred. So that kind of shows you they're coming into this week. Um, not very banged up at this moment in time. In terms of form, both teams coming into this game 1-1. One and one, Obviously ourselves, the Lions. We had a narrow 38-35 defeat against Philly in opening week 1. And then victory over the Commodores last week, 36-27. Minnesota come into this game 1-1. One and one. They defeated the Green Bay Packers and Karen Rogers in week 1 by a score of 23-7. Before getting that flipped on them by Philadelphia, who beat them 24-7, which all of a sudden put a hell of a shine on our result. We nearly beat the Eagles, and the Eagles absolutely whomped the Vikings. So, I said after the Eagles game, I was a little bit, mm, I don't know what this result's like, I don't know whether it, this is a good result for us or not, because I kind of felt disappointed after it. Well, I'll tell you what, I feel a hell of a lot better now having seen what the Eagles did to the Vikings. We we really gave the Eagles a game and a half. The Vikings laid over and had their bellies tickled. Um, but it's an odd one. You go out and beat Green Bay so dominatingly and then you uh, you don't do so well against the Eagles. I mean, how the hell do you kind of put a, a name on this team? How do you know what they are when they've got blown out one week and blown away another team the other? It's... It's a bit weird, I'm not going to lie, but like I say, puts our Eagles game into a lot better perspective for this. So, don't know how everyone's feeling in the chat about this one. Um, Jordy Manchin says we're going to miss the commish. And we will miss Kaminsky. He's done very well to start this season. But like I say, I've got full belief that uh, Demetrius Taylor can come back into this one and uh, make his mark. You know, he made this team as an undrafted free agent. He's got a lot to prove. He plays up and down that line. I would expect him to come in and perform admirably in relief of Kaminsky for now. So I'm not too worried at this moment in time. Obviously, stopping Dalvin Cook is something we have never physically done before since he entered the league. So they're going to all need to be at the top of their game. Uh, Frogcrop says Akuda will have to be balling this week going against Jefferson. Geordie uh, says put Akuda on Jefferson all game with safety help, force them to throw to Phelan or Osborne. I mean, a bit weird one with Phelan at the minute. They don't think he saw a target the other day, I feel like. It was all Jefferson and Kirk... I don't get Kirk Cousins. He was throwing at Jefferson all night and Slay had Jefferson's number all night. It's just kind of like, you should kind of know this one by now, Kirk. You're getting paid $40 million a year to be mediocre, but even you should know that when you're throwing against Darius Slay and he's in that sort of mood, it's not a good idea. Go and target the other guy instead, but I don't know. They just did not seem to like throwing to Thielen. It's a, it's a weird one with that. Um, Jamal Cooper says, the thing I'm most interested during this game, Akuda, I want to see him continue trending up. That seems to be a common theme amongst everything here. How is Jeffrey Akuda going to do in this one? He started the season well, then, um, yeah, you know, expectations are going up. He looks possibly, I say tentatively at the minute, he looks possibly like the guy we invested in the drafting in a few years ago. So hopefully, maybe this is the one. You put him up against Jefferson, he locks him down, and we're able to do it. But I think first and foremost, and um, Patman70 in the Twitch chat says this right, if they stop 
cook it will definitely be a first stopping dalvin cook is huge in this game so there are a lot of battles to be had it's one of the biggest tropes in football but the trenches are where games are won and lost i'm going to start with the trenches here first um and see how we match up so we'll start with the lions offensive line now hard to predict what it's going to be at this moment in time it's looking like jonah might not be ready Ragnar, i don't think he's going to be ready either i think they might give him another week so in terms of our starting five taylor decker currently grading at 70 on pff he's allowed two quarterback hits and two pressures through two full games this season but he has been playing hurt he's not been uh He's not been fully healthy so far, and he's still playing really well. Dan Skipper, he's grading at 67. He allowed one sack and two quarterback hurries through the game against Washington. Brand new position for him. First ever career start. That was a pretty good game as far as things go for Dan, and he rightly got a lot of praise this weekend. Evan Brown, our center, you know, he's just Mr. Reliable at this point. No pressures allowed in the game against Washington. He graded at 84 in pass protection, 68 overall. He had a tremendous game, probably the best backup center in the league. If uh, I can't think of another one off the top of my hand who is as good as him. Right guard, so we get to Logan here. Logan's where it drops. His PFF grade is 20. He's allowed 10 pressures in two games, including two sacks, five quarterback hits, and three quarterback hurries. He's been very solid in run blocking, though. So this kind of evens out the bad grade. The run grade's really good. The pass grade's barely gotten off the ground so far. But we have to forget, this is only two career games he started, played so far. So he, again, is new to the position, really. Pene Sewell, our right tackle, well, he's just been amazing. No one's talked about Pene this year, but that's really a good thing. He's grading 74. One sack, two quarterback hits, and one quarterback hurry given up in two games. It sounds like a lot, but he's actually pass blocking really well. And don't forget, he's playing next to Logan as well, which won't help when you're trying to help a rookie along with you in the line. But he's been solid in both aspects of his game. And Detroit have given up just 23 pressures on the season, which, you know, that's really good for us. The Minnesota D-line, now this is where there's going to be a huge battle on our hands here. So you've got Zedarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, probably one of the most fierce pass rushing duos in the NFC North. Some might say the NFC in general. Zedarius Smith, he has a 69 grade on PFF. We, uh, seven pressures, he's got one sack, two quarterback hits, four quarterback hurries, five tackles and six stops so he's been effective setting the edge as well as rushing the qb daniel hunter's got a 68 pff grade quite similar he's got four pressures one sack and three quarterback hurries defensive tackle dalvin tomlinson he's also the other big one on that line he's grading at 65 he has four pressures with one sack and three quarterback hurries and you know you got some other you got some other good uh, production on that line as well ross blacklock he's got a couple of pressures you've also got um who's the other one Patrick Jones the second, he's got three quarterback hurries in there as well. So for the most part, they've been doing pretty good. They have 31 pressures on the uh, season so far. They've gotten seven sacks, three quarterback hits, 21 quarterback hurries. So that's saying that they are getting home to the quarterback, but when they're getting home, they're sacking him. They're not just getting the hits, they're not arriving late. It's showing there's a little bit of a little bit of speed in that line there and this is going to be another tough test for the Detroit Lions offensive line obviously it's a bit beaten it's a bit battered up 
our tackles are doing really well, so it makes me think: Are they going to move Hunter? Are they going to move Smith a little inside? Are they going to target the guards? Um, I feel like they might in this one. I feel like that's going to be the strategy because Penne and Taylor are doing really well at the minute, and I feel like they might go here. So I don't know what do you guys think. Offensive line for us, defensive line against them. Are you worried? Is there someone there who is uh, who is concerning you? I mean, when it comes to the run game, both teams are struggling to stop the run at the minute. Um, Minnesota are giving up 5.3 yards per carry against the run. It ranks 28th in the NFL. Uh, the Lions are one spot above them in 27th. It's 5.1 yards per carry. So they are vulnerable against the run. So if you are able to get in a situation where you are able to run on this defensive line, they've shown that they've got a lot of problems dealing with it. And you can, you know, this, this is a weird one for Minnesota. You can't, you've not been able to run on them so much over the years, but it seems to be a legit problem for them. I know they've played the Packers and I know they've played the Eagles and people say they're really good teams, but our offense is just as good as theirs, quite frankly. Both of those sides, our offense is just as good. So you will kind of figure that they're going to struggle with the same problems that they have with the other two teams as well. Um, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grandizer. I know when Mike starts. I ain't going to bore you for another 45 minutes. Do not worry about that. Um, Jordy says, I think our run game will do well. I hope we game plan for the pass rush, throw in some screens, quick slants, etc. I agree. I think that's the way to go here with our offensive line. Run the ball through them, negate what Harrison and... Um, Daniel Zadarius and um, Daniel can do to you. We did it against Washington. We kind of negated that pass rush a little bit by being able to run the ball so much that line wasn't able to have the effect on us that it does on other teams. So it kind of seems, yeah, game plan the same. Run through them, run heavy. But, you know, our offensive line's doing well. Just 23 freshers through two games. Minnesota, on the other hand, we'll switch it over. We'll talk about the Minnesota offensive line against the Detroit Lions pass rush. How are you all feeling about this? Are you confident that the Lions' new and improved pass rush can get it done against the Minnesota Vikings offensive line? I've got the things here with me. So the Minnesota offensive line, unless injury hits, seems to have been pretty consistent this year. The left tackle, Christian Darris, or um, he's grading 62. He's given up five pressures, including a quarterback hit and four quarterback hurries, but no sacks. The left guard, Ezra Cleveland, grading 64. He's given up eight pressures, a sack, three quarterback hits, four quarterback hurries. The center, Garrett Bradbury, grading 61. Six pressures given up, including two quarterback hits and four quarterback hurries. Ed Ingram, he's the new guard from LSU, just drafted this year. He's been starting. Actually, one of the highest graded guys on this line. So he's grading at 68, but he has given up seven pressures. One sack, two quarterback hits, four quarterback hurries. And then the right tackle, Brian O'Neill, he's been the outstanding guy so far. So he has an 81 grade with PFF. Just four pressures given up, one sack, couple of QB hits, and one quarterback hurry. Um... So the Vikings, they've given up 33 pressures this year to Detroit's 23. So that offensive line, been more leaky than ours has. I would guess at a thing that we've been running it a bit more, but still, the pressure is there to be had. They've only given up three sacks though, so they've given up a lot of pressure, but not a lot of end production. And again, 
you've gone against the Vikings, uh, sorry, you've gone against the Eagles, you've gone against the Packers, very competent defensive lines, so getting sacks has been tough on Kirk Cousins so far, getting sacks on Kirk Cousins has been really difficult for the Lions for years now, I hate how guarded he's been against us, but you see here, the weakness on this line is in its interior. Cleveland, eight pressures. Bradbury, six. Ingram, seven. The tackles have been playing really well. The interior of this defensive line is where they have been struggling. So can we expose the interior of that defensive line? Can we rush Kirk Cousins through the middle? Because that's where a lot of the pressure has been coming from. And that's where most of the success has been had. Obviously, this would have been a lovely game to have Kaminsky in with his 10 pressures so far. But you still have a lean. We've got Demetrius Taylor. This could be a great game for Demetrius Taylor. If you can get him against the interior of that line, who are leaking pressure rates at the moment, maybe he's going to be able to get in and have an impact on this one. And might you bring Aiden in? Bring Charles in? Bring them a little more to the interior like they might do against us. These are two, two offensive lines where the weakness at the minute is interior when it comes to pressure on the quarterback. So who can uh, who can win that one on the day? Mark Orlando goes, Hutch is going to tickle Cousins' belly. That, that seems to have tickled a few people, yes. Um, I hope he tickles Cousins' belly. I want to see Kirk Cousins sacked time after time after time after time. The only time I can remember him getting sacked by us is when Tracy sacked him and then got called for that stupid penalty which never should have existed at all that was an absolutely terrible penalty given but I, I want to see good things from our defensive line this week I'm not going to lie you know Darisor and O'Neill the tackles have been doing well but again like Washington you've got Charles Leno you've got Cosme there they ain't the elite of the league there are going to be a lot better tackle pairings in here they've done okay so far the Packers have not found a way to overcome it neither have the Eagles but we've got depth along the line hopefully we can exert pressure from all over and cause some mistakes there and, and really get after Kirk you know when you put Kirk under pressure he makes a lot of mistakes he really does so yeah that's where the weakness in the Minnesota offensive line lies in terms of the Detroit pass rush so far been very successful this year. Like I say, Kaminsky, he leads the way. He's got 10 total pressures. Asaka hitting eight hurries. So he is out of this one. After that, Aiden Hutchinson, three sacks, all against Washington. You've got the six quarterback hurries in there as well. Charles Harris has five, a sack, a hit, three quarterback hurries as well. You know, Julian Aquara. You know what? I've said a lot of not bad things, but I've been very critical of Julian Aquara. His ability to stay healthy and be consistent in his game are two things we have not seen yet. But he came in in relief last week. Just played the one game. Five pressures already. Got a quarterback hit. He got four quarterback hurries. And I believe I saw the stat out there that he has the best pass rush win rate in the NFL at the minute at 38%. So even the guys who are coming in in relief are doing well and that's what I meant earlier when I was talking about the depth on this team people people are fighting for their positions like they've not had to fight for positions here in years so the pass rush has been successful and like I say with Phil with them um, oh god who the hell are we playing with the Vikings 30 pressures on the air so far the Lions have 50 so through two games we've already got 50 pressures I mean I don't think we hit that till like halfway through the season last year. Romeo Aquari was our leading pressure rusher last year for a long time and he was injured after week four. We've got six sacks, we've got 10 quarterback hits and we've got 34 
quarterback hurries. So again, there's still a little bit of work to do in terms of moving those, you know, equating those hurries into production, getting the hits, getting the sacks. But the fact is, we are getting the pressure, which is what we've been begging for for a very long time. So you have an offensive line here, which is struggling through the middle, which has vulnerability on the edge, and our pass rush is doing really well from all corners of it. This is The linebackers have been doing well when it comes to pressure as well. Board has three, Rodriguez has a few, Pittman's got one. Um, you got Mike. You got secondary coming in. Mike Hughes has a few. Deshaun Elliott has two. Aleem has two through the middle. Anzalone has two. You know, Benito Jones has a few as well. You've got a lot of guys who are rushing the passer and are getting success on it. You know, Aaron Glenn is scheming this thing up really well. So, I don't know, what do you think? Do you reckon our pass rush has a good chance against these guys this week? Is this going to be the thing that gets us over, or are we going to have to worry about Jefferson more? Jordy goes, is Austin Bryant playing? I don't know if Austin's playing. I know he was healthy, scratched last week, but from what was led to believe, that was schematic. The way they were playing, it favoured having um, Julian on the pitch more. I think they said the Vikings were a bit set up more towards Austin's skill set. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him, especially if Kaminsky's not playing. I think it'll be one of Bryant or Demetrius Taylor that gets the nod, as opposed you know, to fill that whole Kaminsky lead. So it'll be one or the other, but I, I do want to see them. I do want to see them there. Matt Hicks is in the chat. He goes, Coach Glenn has emphasized the attacking defense. Yes, he has. And we were crying out for that this season. I especially, I went on every platform I went on. I said, what Aaron Glenn needs to do this year is bring the pressure. You've got to blitz your linebackers because that's what they're good at. Bring in pressure. Don't sit them in coverage. Don't wait to be picked apart. Bring your secondary up to the line of scrimmage. Get fighting with your wide receivers. Make it difficult for them. And and he's been true to his word. He's been very aggressive. He's blitzed a lot. They used a lot of the NASCAR formations. Week one, you saw them bunch up again this week. Aaron's been very, very aggressive in the way he's gone about things. And look what it did to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz looked like he was shook, I believe is the term that they use. He didn't know where to throw the ball. He didn't know where to run. He looked like he didn't have a clue, and that's because of how aggressive he is he was. And I think you've got to do the same to Kirk Cousins. When you put him under pressure, you've seen he chokes. So keep it going, Aaron Glenn. I do hope that that isn't... Because there are holes in this defense. Can't sugarcoat it. The line secondary is still a little bit suspect. The linebacking core in coverage is a little bit suspect. So the best way to negate those problems are to pass rush the hell out of a team and stop them exploiting that. You're going to give up some chunk plays. We did against Washington at the start of the third, uh, third quarter. But we'd already built such a lead by then on the back of such an aggressive defense. So just keep going for it. You find a formula, work it. Um, so that's everything in terms of the trenches. I mean, overall, I'm feeling pretty confident that we've got them in the trenches here. I think if you can negate that pass rush, get the run game going again, then you take Daniil and Zadarius out of this game. And if you take them out of this game, then you go a long way to winning it. And on the defensive side of the line, I think we've got the depth now to finally put Kirk Cousins under pressure because he's it's been like he's it's like he's on holiday when he plays against us in previous years. Just has all the time to throw the ball. He's got a very talented group of wide receivers to aim at. And he sliced and diced us for the most part. So I'm looking forward to seeing us uh, I'm looking forward to seeing us really put him under some pressure there. Um in terms of the rest of the defense, um let me just get my little bits up here. 
what were the other notes I had? So the lion, the Minnesota secondary. So this is going to be another big part of this game. Can we attack that weak secondary? Can we, like last season, we went after Cameron Dantzler. We really made his life hell. Amon Ra made his life hell. And the last play of the game, Amon Ra gets the touchdown. Cameron Dantzler sat hugging him in the end zone because he can't get nowhere near him you know congratulating him that he got the touch there can we exploit it again this year and how are they doing in coverage so i'm not gonna lie they're struggling in coverage this year so they've been targeted 65 times they've given up 52 receptions which is an 80 percent reception completion rating i mean there's some really bad ones here jordan hicks the linebacker he's been targeted 12 times he's given up 11 receptions for 154 yards uh, cameron burnham the safety i believe he's coming in relief of harrison smith who got injured the other day he's given up four of four for 89 yards chandon sullivan the cornerback targeted 10 times nine receptions given up 99 yards given up harrison smith himself has been struggling targeted nine times given up eight receptions 63 yards they've really been struggling in fact the one who's done the best out of this statistically the the highest graded defender on the minnesota vikings team is Cameron Dantzler. He seems to have come up this year. He's been targeted 13 times. He's given up nine receptions, but only for 57 yards. So he's not giving up much per play. Whether he's dropping off a bit and then making the tackles, I do not know. But what I do know is there is a weakness here in this secondary. They have not been good defending against the pass. And with us and our arsenal of weapons we have here now, you have to look at that as an advantage. I mean, this could be the game where TJ pops. When the linebacker is this bad in coverage, 11 given up on 12, you stick TJ on him. You make that mismatch and you go all the way after him. The other, Eric Kendricks, the other linebacker, he's been doing a lot better. Um, targeted six times, given up just two receptions for 25 yards. So he's been a bit more confident. But there's your weakness. You know Jordan Hicks is struggling like hell. He's the lowest graded defender on that team. There's your mismatch. Get TJ put him in against him and really go after them so there are there are definite weaknesses here now I'm not going to say that Minnesota are a bad team they're not they're one of the best they're, they're, they're one of the better teams in the NFC North at the minute and they've gone up against two very good sides in the Packers and the Eagles but the fact is we have an offense just as good as them too we see what the weaknesses are here your defensive line is good their defensive line is good so you've got to stay away from the pressure situations, the third and longs. You've got to start stay away from that, otherwise they're going to hurt you. You run the ball on them over 5.3 yards per clip. Get it into short distance situations. Get your tight end on the linebackers. Have a go at them. Aim it downfield. Get on some of these corners. The secondary guys who are struggling in coverage. Their morale's down. Take some shots. Make some plays. It can be done for them here. So, you know, it's... It's there to be had, but at the same time, we have to look at our own defense as well. We've talked about um, our defensive line, which has been doing really well, but the secondary, it's had its struggles as well so far. So look at us, we've, um, we've been targeted 65 times in the air. We've given up 48 receptions. So that's 73% completion rating against us pass-wise to Minnesota's 80. Uh, Mike Hughes has given up 10 receptions on 11 targets 
for 131 yards. Jeffrey, Jeff, Hefe, Hefe's been doing really well. Targeted 10 times, given up seven receptions, but only given up about six yards per play. So he's been doing all right there. But Rodrigo, they have been getting off to Rodrigo a bit in coverage. Seven targets, six receptions there. Um, Amani Arawarie, eight targets, five receptions, 69 yards. Anzalone, five receptions on seven targets, 37 yards. I mean, it's a little bit of a mixed bag here at the minute, but on some days they have been picking us. Mike Hughes got cooked against Washington. Something has to be done there. I know that much. Hughes gave up, I think it was nine completions on 10 passes for the better part of 100 yards. He had a really bad day, so we're going to have to hope. Don't put him on Justin Jefferson. That's the first thing there. I think, as you guys have been saying in the chat, Jeff is ready to be put on the cornerback one, I reckon. Uh, on the cornerback one, on the wide receiver one, I reckon. I think he is ready to do it, and I think you give him a good show of faith. You say, right, you go and lock Justin Jefferson down and let us deal with Adam Thielen, let us deal with KJ Hamill, Osborne, or all the other guys that they've got in there. I think Jalen Rager is there now as well, so you've got to have a speed guy ready. I know he's not done much so far, but this Minnesota team, they, they do have weapons, so you've got to you've got to give it some respect. But in our case on defense it's the same. The plan is the same as what you did against the Vikings, as against the Commodores. You get lots of pressure through your defensive line, be aggressive on defense, get some turnovers, and you know, you take your lumps on the secondary as and when you do cost Let's face it, Cousins will put some down on us at some point. Justin Jefferson will burn us a little bit at some point. Just accept it's going to happen and go out, be aggressive, and get the turnovers before they do. So, I don't know. I feel like these teams overall are very well matched up. I know I've kind of gone through that in a bit of a messy order and whatnot. I've tried to break it down into groups and what we're going to do here with it. But I think on offense... We've got a quarterback who is confident at the moment. We have a really good running game. They have a really good running game. You know, offensive line, ours is better. We're run blocking well. We've got a good offensive scheme here at this moment in time. Certainly, we have the strength to their defensive weakness. We can hit them where it hurts, where they're not good. And similarly, them with us. They can throw it deep on us. They've got the speedy receiving threats to have a go at this secondary. And... You know, they've got a quarterback who's older, he's wily, he seems to always find his way out of pressure there. And of course, you've got Dalvin Cook in as well. So, that, that that's first and foremost in this game. You've got to stop Dalvin Cook running. Plainly and simply. So, there are a lot of keys. I know I've gone through a lot of this in detail in mind. So, the keys to victory here for me. So, on your offense, you have to establish your run game. Get yourself in second and short. Get yourself in third and short. And then unleash the passing game. Because they're struggling in coverage. They're struggling a lot in coverage. And if they're trying to blitz us, trying to get at the quarterback, and we've got a whole field to aim at with some of our receiving threats, we're going to have a lot of success against them. But it is vital that you establish the run game, as we have been. On defense, again, it's your trench warfare. This is where we invested. This is where we're good. You have to stop Dalvin Cook from running the football. I know that's incredibly obvious, but you know that, that is how you beat this Minnesota team. He didn't do much against the Eagles. 
Am I talking about the Eagles? Yes. Didn't do much about the Eagles. The Eagles were just able to pick that team apart. You saw how the Eagles did it. I mean, their secondary is a lot better than ours, so we can't beat the Vikings the way the Eagles did. That secondary helped them a hell of a lot in that game. It got the turnovers, it kept Jefferson quiet. We can't do that. But they didn't get the pressure on Kirk Cousins. If we can get the job done on Kirk Cousins, put him under pressure, stop Dalvin Cook from running, that's how you win this football game. And can we win this football game? You're absolutely damn right we can win this football game. I think that you're coming in with a team who is full of confidence. The Vikings have had one less day to prepare for us. Like I say, they have not trained fully today. They've just had walkthroughs. So, you know, they're tired. It's showing. They are going to have one day. This is the good thing about our schedule this year. We get a full week rest all week, every week. And I think that that is going to benefit us. Um, everyone in the chat, what are your... Keys to victory this week. Is there anything I've missed? Is there anything that you think that we can exploit that I've not chatted about? You know, I think um, I, th I think we're I think we're absolutely in this one. I mean, Jordy says if we go up early, Vikings abandon the run early. I mean, that's a way to do it. But I feel like they st they trust Alvin Cook a lot. So I've seen them behind in games before, and they still try to run it. So, but I mean, obviously, yeah, stopping him is a big is a big part of this. Um, Depp Fanman says the last three games against the Vikes were all decided by two points. Help me understand the seven point spread from Vegas. It's home advantage. That's all it is. And it has dropped to five and a half. So it was seven and a half at the start of the season. It is now five and a half. So it is it is dropping. Um, so I'm going back through some of these other. Jordy mentions they played super soft last game. If they do the same, we're winning by 10. Hell yeah. They play soft coverage against us, then they're really, you know, that's our bread and butter. That's the thing we can really do well. Um, they play zones, St. Brown will eat them up. I mean, yeah. I mean, so this is the thing. They're, they are vulnerable across the middle of the field right now. And who can we send in to eat in the middle of the field? Amon Ra and TJ. Who the hell do you mark out of those two? When you've got DJ on the outside, when you've got Raymond, when you've got Reynolds, and some of our most potent weapons. This could be TJ's breakout game. I think if you're looking for maybe a surprise player in this game, the guy who's going to turn it over, who's going to make it happen, I think that this could be TJ Hawkinson's game. You've got the weak side of coverage linebackers there who are going to struggle like hell against him. And our offensive line can keep Goff protected long enough to exploit that. So I'm interested to see. This is going to be a good test of the Detroit Lions credentials. A road game against the Vikings. Now, so, right, we've done a few, we've done a few bits for the predictions already. But, you know, put your score predictions in the chat. Let's see. How confident are you this week that the Detroit Lions are going to win? I want to know what you think the score is going to be and why you think the score is going to be that way. And and if we don't, is it the end of the world for you? Because like I said, a lot of people said when we lost to the Eagles, it's not the end of the world if you lose against them. Is a defeat against the Vikings. If you keep it respectable, if you fight hard, you play hard, and they just end up in the better team on the day and you're too fussed about what happens with this one. I mean, it's it's an odd one for me, this. When we came into the season, I didn't expect to win it. I put it down as an L. I thought they were going to have their way with us at home. I think we'd split with them. But now, I just have this kind of little inkling of confidence that we can go there and cause an upset. We've got the day's rest. The team's fighting hard. We are injury-prone. And the great thing is that all the backups are standing up and been noticed. Dan Skipper, Logan Stenberg, Evan Brown... 
you know, John Kaminsky, Isaiah Bugs, all these guys have stepped into the team because of injuries and they're playing damn well. Our special teams looks really good. And I just want to say one thing about the special teams. I'm delighted with the way it's gone. You look at some of these guys who are on special teams at the moment, all of them have a future here with the Detroit Lions in this first team. Cephas tops the rankings. You see him in there. You see Juju Hughes working his way through its safety. For so many years, we had career special teamers here. And they were just here for special teams. And a team like the Detroit Lions can't afford that. We have a special teams full of guys fighting to get in this roster now. You've got Michael, you've got Malcolm Rodriguez in there making plays. You've got Derek Barnes in there making plays. You know, you've got all these guys on both sides of the balls in making plays. I just love to see it. I'm just, I'm just really happy at the moment with this team. I think it's been great. And, you know, our special teams, we know how good it is. Is it better than the Vikings? I don't really know how their special teams is doing. It's the one thing I didn't... Uh, dive down into but I think we can win this one Jordy says 31-17 Lions let's go Mark Orlando says Lions 31 Vikings 27 I, I don't mind this I really really don't mind this so in the uh, in the Twitch chat um, Fly Out Condor says 36 Lions 34 Vikes David Reinfurt says 24-27 to Minnesota the home field advantage is too much hey that's fine if it is just a one-point score and it's a home advantage thing, it's not the end of the world. Patman70 says 33-27 Lions. Why not? Why the hell not? Why the hell not? There is no reason. That should be our motto this year for the Detroit Lions. Why the hell not? When you say we can't do something, why the hell not? We have a team full of players who are energized they're passionate they we know they have grit in them now because they can win games so why the hell can't we go and win this one dan pask says 35 24 lions Whew. all these victory things it's getting me pumped i must say i'm really really loving all these positive results coming out the chat here i just think we can do really really well with this grandizers pumping everything up let's go lions let's get pumped one pride brian shock says lions 38 vikings 31 frog cup 35 24 to the lions matt hicks lion 35 minnesota 14 luke 182777 42 17 to the lions roderick burrell lions 49 vikings 20 they don't look that great on defense, and the Lions are going to want to get their first away win. DJ Chark is going to catch those drops. Oh, wow. I just feel like I'm, I'm, drink, I'm ingesting Kool-Aid through the screen. I absolutely love this. You know what? What the hell? I said on LNU the other day that we might lose by a little bit, but why not? Why can't this team go there and beat them? We've seen what the Eagles did to them. We've seen what we did to the Eagles. We hung with them. The Vikings could not. There is no reason we can't go to Minnesota and not win this one. So I'm going to join in with a lot of you. I'm going to say 33-27. The Detroit Lions win against the Minnesota Vikings. And I am going to say that my player of the game is going to be TJ Hawkinson. I'm going to say... Nine catches, 130 yards. I think he's going to absolutely gash the hell out of them. Just to end all this today, who's the player of the game? Who's going to be the guy that gets us over the line? Who's the one you're looking forward to seeing most? We'll end it with that. Let's get some love out there for the players to end this stream. I'm, I'm just, I'm just really hyped and looking forward to this game. Now it's going to be, it's going to be ever so good. We've got to watch this. Uh, 
watching on Game Pass over here. So, Patman70 says DeAndre Swift. He also says this should be a very good game. I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. And I think if the Vikings were not already, you know, at least respecting this team and what it can do, then they will respect this team very damn soon much of the end of Sunday I think they're going to be really surprised and if they underestimate us then we are we are in with a shot of this one I'm going to say that we are in with a shot on this one um Jordy Mansion Swift gets over 200 total yards Chart gets two tudders love it love it obviously of course it is going to be a team effort if we want to win this one the whole team is going to have to perform like it did against the Washington Commodores the both sides of the ball in that first half that was the most dominant performance I have seen from the Detroit Lions since Caldwell left and I'm just going to say that out right now there has been nothing since then that was as dominant as that half because both sides of the ball worked in tandem highly aggressive you know, just did not take their foot off the gas and Washington could not get back into the game because of it. So I absolutely love this and I hope that we're able to do the same again. Roderick Burrell says, Jared Goff, he does really well against the Vikings. He does. I mean, I think we quickly forget Jared Goff. When it came to that game-winning drive last season that Jared Goff led... I remember being in the um, Roar of the Lions. We were doing a watch-along at this time, and I don't think one person at that point said he was capable of leading that drive to get us to win. I think we thought it had gone. And he shocked us all. He got his passing right, we got out of bounds, we moved it down the pitch, and he finally delivered that dart. And I have never squealed in delight as much as I did when that went in. I was just so happy for Jared Goff with that. He did have a good game against them overall, so... Of course, Goff is going to have to ball out again, and they are facing a confident Jared Goff now, who is on the charge. Seven touchdowns, one interception. He's one of the best quarterbacks over the last few of the of, of the last few games in the entire NFL at the minute. He's one of the informed guys. So why the hell can't we go there and beat them? So I love it. Man says Swift with big pass receiving yardage to work towards his 1,000-1,000 goal and my fantasy success. I don't know whether that one's fantasy-based or reality-based. I think maybe there's a little bit of... But no, I, I really, really hope he does. So um, gonna gonna going to root for him for that one. But I'm just going to root for this whole team. And it's isn't it just fun watching this team at the minute? They're playing well, they're playing hard, and they're not just losing gracefully anymore. They're starting to win games. They're starting to show that they have the grit, which is what Dan, Dan Campbell says. Overcome problems, overcome opposition. That is what we want. That is what we're seeing. And if we can go to Minnesota and put a dub down this weekend, then I'm fully going to start talking playoffs. I mean, that might be that might be cool, lady, but that's just how good I'm feeling at this moment in time. Marco Lando says, Lions offense will prove first two games are not a fluke. Absolutely. We need to keep this going. We need to keep the points going, show that this is not a flash in the pan. Dan Campbell set the expectations for this season. This team is going to be better. This team is going to win games. You can't do that when you're just having one or two game flashes. So, hey-ho, that's the thing with them. But um, I'm hoping they can keep it up. I'm hoping the defense carries on being aggressive. I'm hoping that they get some more takeaways this week. You know, another safety would absolutely be great. Luke 182777 says, Safe Brown, nine, receiving, nine receptions, 120 yards. 32 rushing yards, two touchdowns for Swift, 135 yards, rushing 50 yards, two touchdowns. Hawkinson will have a touchdown, Williams a touchdown. Good God, 
I think that might be like 60 points in that one. If we drop a 60-burger on the Vikings, I'll shave my hair in celebration for that one. That would be absolutely great. Jordy says, Ben Johnson, fire play calls. Absolutely. I mean, you've seen the offensive scheme they've been running, the run-blocking schemes there. I, it's cr I don't know half of these. I don't know what Zorro is. I don't know what all these bits and bobs are. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, Frogcrop says, uh, Rodriguez probably will break someone's arm on neck. He's, he's going to get some tackles, man. I want to see Rodrigo hit Dalvin Cook and see what happens. The world may explode, but still, it would be a hell of a it would be a hell of a sight to see as your last thing. Just Dalvin Cook and Malcolm Rodriguez locking horns with one another. Um, one of our wide receivers gets a passing touchdown. Oh, get some trick plays in there. Absolutely. Bring out the trick plays. I, I, I like how we've not used them so far. Teams kind of think we're going to go the trick plays all the time. We're letting them forget about it. I think we'll pick out a little razzle-dazzle soon. I think you'll see a little... Uh, I think you'll see something a little funky from them this weekend because teams aren't thinking we're doing it anymore. They think we're past that. I don't... Uh, I don't think we are. I think they've still got it in the bag somewhere. Brian Schott goes Rodrigo with a pick six. I would love that. I would just love a pick six from anybody. But just to see... I just want to see the look on Kirk Cousins' face again that we got at the end of the last game. His pain caused me such delight. He knew he'd screwed up their playoff chances in that one. They'd not got over the line. Seeing his pain fed my soul, and I want to see that one again there. Right, I'm starting to ramble a little bit now. I don't want to keep you all. I know Micro Mike's going on in 10 minutes. If I have the energy to, I'm going to go and join his stream as well. Uh, before we do, Bob O'Lange just asked, any update on when Williams might be taking the field? No. At this point, it's all speculation. We presume before the after the bye. I think the bye is week seven or eight. I don't think we will see him for a few more weeks, but I'm not going to lie. The thought that in just two weeks we can activate him makes me very, very excited, let's just say. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being in the window where we can activate him again. So we'll see what happens with him, as well as the others. Romeo, Josh Pascal. I mean, two weeks' time is going to be interesting. We could get some really big players back. But just want to say thank you to everyone in the chat this evening, be it on YouTube, be it on Twitch. Because Matt is away in America at the minute, he, me and him would usually do this together. The other guys are all busy at the moment. So, you know, life life goes on for a lot of them we can't be we can't all be together at once i've had to do this on my own tonight it's the first time i've ever done a live stream on my own i hope you've enjoyed it i hope it's been at least partially successful in previewing the vikings lions game i'm psyched that so many of you are in here there's 26 in youtube at the minute there's more on twitch um again i just yeah thank you thank you for listening to li listening to me ramble on for an hour um I'm not as good at Matt as doing this, so yeah, I appreciate it, and I just want to say, I'm really looking forward to the game this weekend. Whatever you're doing, whether it be you're at the game, I don't know if anyone's going to Minnesota to the game, or you're watching a bar, whatever, I hope you have the greatest of weekends, and enjoy this game, and hopefully we can snatch another W out the bag, and really, really get this uh, cool Kool-Aid Kool -Aid bonanza going i've just got to do a little bit of housekeeping if you've got any more late questions you quickly want me to answer before i go i will do i'll just do the housekeeping first and i'll answer anything that's left so our next episodes the main podcast will be monday the 26th of september this coming monday we will be reviewing the minnesota vikings game i'm hoping to have a very special guest lined up for that one courtesy of our own grandizer who's been in the youtube chat i'm really looking forward to speaking to uh 
speaking to this lady, she's very, very knowledgeable about the Vikings. I hope she's in a bit of a sad mood because the Vikings have lost, but we'll see. It's going to be a great show. And then Wednesday, the 28th of September, the College Football Podcast will be back with myself and Ryan. We will be reviewing week four of the college season. It's going on really quick at the minute. We will be doing a preview of week five, and we'll be doing a deep dive into some more players as well. So if any of you do the YouTube stuff, haven't checked the college one before, if you've got any questions about the 2023 NFL draft, if there's any positions you want the Lions to look at, if there's any players you want us to scout out, let us know. We'll put it in the show. We did lots of requests for people last year, so we will do all the research there for you. Um, just going to check everything else out. Any questions there? Patman says, good stream, my friend. Really appreciate it. Dan Pask says the same. Cheers, Ant. Flower Condor, One Pride. Yeah, thank you, guys. Really appreciate you all this evening in Twitter, uh, Twitter, YouTube. Um, oh, well, thank you to everyone. I really, really appreciate all the, all the nice comments and that. Yes. It's been a great victory week. I want another victory week. Hopefully we get another victory week. And hopefully I can revel in the tears of Kirk Cousins for some time to come. So have a great evening. I might see some of you on Micro Mike stream shortly. If not, have a great game weekend. Hope you enjoy the Lions and the Vikings. I shall see you again on Monday, hopefully with a few more of the panel in tow with me. And uh, until then, just remains for me to thank you all. One pride and take care.